when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome back, friends, to another Waypoint article read. I'm Rob Zachney, and it's been a little while since we've done one of these. Uh, but today I'm bringing you Patrick Klepek and his piece on a leading Counter-Strike personality, Duncan Thorin Shields, who recently revealed that he's a huge fan of Alex Jones. That's the impetus for Patrick's piece, but more than that, Patrick is looking at Shields from an outsider's perspective and trying to parse how Thorin has remained such a major figure in esports, despite a long track record of provocative behavior and racist jokes. Uh, anyway, here's Patrick with one of Counter-Strike's leading analysts wants you to know Alex Jones' rules. We'll be back after the reading to discuss his article, the reaction to it, and Patrick's own history as a college edgelord. Two things. The article uh, on the website has uh, numerous references to homophobic and racial and ableist slurs. I have taken those out and substituted those words for different phrasing uh, in this version of the story. Uh, in addition, uh, there are a number of embedded tweets uh, in the story that I'm not going to read out here. So if you want the complete picture, uh, you can uh, go to waypointadvice.com and see the entire piece. With that said, I don't closely follow the competitive scene for any one game, instead relying on the expertise of others to guide me through this rapidly changing world. This means I follow dozens of reporters embedded in esports, and I quickly saw chattering about recent tweets by one person, longtime Counter-Strike global offensive analyst Duncan Thorin Shields. Some recent tweets undersells what Thorin was saying, a full-throated defense of the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, who spent years peddling a lie that 2012 Sane Hook mass shooting, where 20 children between the ages of 6 and 7 years old died, was an elaborate false flag operation by the government, and the grieving parents were crisis actors. Just a few days ago, Thorne, a self-professed historian of esports, and a 2017 Esports Industry Awards Journalist of the Year, announced he would be a paid commentator at ESL New York, a massive esports event for Counter-Strike. Thor isn't just some random Twitch or YouTube personality playing around with fringe rhetoric. Instead, major elements of the mainstream infrastructure of esports are not just propping him up, but paying him. And we're not just talking about a handful of edgelordy comments about Alex Jones. The hole goes deeper. After tweeting about Thorne, I was flooded with people pointing out how these types of antics were nothing new, and if anything, represented a left extreme version of himself. It didn't take much sleuthing to find what people were talking about, as it was sitting out in the open, like the time he affirmed the hurtful stereotype comparing black people to monkeys. This is far from the only racist commentary by Thorin, either. In response to a joking tweet where someone asked, who let the monkeys in the studio, Thorin dropped a comment referencing Luminosity, a multi-game esports organization with Brazilian Counter-Strike team, and monkey is a known racial slur for dark-skinned Brazilians. The reaction to Thorne's tweet was swift, with people labeling the tweets as racist. Thorne later issued an apology, saying his joke was too much and didn't want to encourage hate for luminosity. Thorne follows a familiar pattern for edgelord commentary. Step right up to the edge and walk away, leaving enough ambiguity in place so you can deploy a rhetorical smokescreen when you've accidentally gone over the line. With luminosity, a situation where even his fans seem to acknowledge the implicit racism, Thorne doesn't actually admit to any racial connotations, conveniently leveraging the argument that people don't understand his humor. But sometimes the veil drops, if only by accident. In a 2014 podcast, Thorne derogatorily referred to Andy Reginald Din, an American League of Legends player of Vietnamese descent, as the ape Caesar from the movie Planet of the Apes. Quote, If this is Planet of the Apes, he's Caesar, Thorne laughs. I have to go there, whatever. You know how I do that shit. As he explained later, he definitely wasn't referring to a common racist insult that was thrown at Din in the League of Legends community at the time. He's only suggesting that in a hypothetical scenario where everyone on this podcast was from Planet of the Apes, Din would be Caesar. Quote, The reason I picked that particular character, he said, 
is that in the spur of the moment, it fit well with the characteristics I was listing and conjuring up an image of around Reginald. Sounds a lot like a heated gaming moment, huh? In other words, Thorne's track record of comparing darker-skinned people to monkeys is nothing more than a coincidence and social justice warriors trying to politicize everything. You'll find plenty of SJW grumbling on his Twitter feed. But it's the second quote, I have to go there, whatever. You know how I do this shit. The reveals what's truly going on. It makes clear Thorne knows precisely what he's suggesting. Again, he admitted as much in the same essay. Quote, that it, my Planet of the Apes comment, flirted with, without expressly stating, a connection to a community joke about Reginald's appearance was a bonus. Thorne's incendiary comments go beyond race, too. Earlier this year, he defended the right for Counter-Strike player Mohammed Moe Assad, well-known for raging during streams, to say a homophobic slur. It was part of a larger defense smokescreen for MOE in the Counter-Strike community, with many of MOE's colleagues rushing to find inventive ways to rationalize the homophobic slur. Thorne's defense rested on the words historical etymology, since the term once referred to a bundle of sticks. The modern use of the word is understood as an explicit slur against gay people, but in Thorne's mind, quote, tyrants who try to tell you a word only has the meaning they decided, even if they're making it up on the spot or ignoring cultural context and history, can still fuck off. This is part of a playbook that's much larger than Thorne and pervasive in today's culture wars. Accuse SJWs of tearing people down and use rhetorical escape hatches. Here, the possibility MOE meant the original use of the word to provide cover. By going on the offensive, there's a chance to shift the burden of proof onto the accuser, and because that proof would require knowing someone's true intent, it almost always falls short. And so the cycle continues until the next incident, which inevitably there is. In April, Thorne bemoaned the potentially disrupted career of Overwatch player Jonathan Dreamcapser Sanchez who was fired from his team after credible allegations the 21-year-old had carried out an online affair with a 14-year-old. When someone pointed out he was a sexual predator, Thorne became aggressive. The connective tissue between all these incidents is bemoaning consequences for speech, wielding the rights of the First Amendment as an unyielding defense for what's really happening, criticism. Thorne has the right to make jokes involving race, but he doesn't have a protected right from people, employers, social networks, society, pushing back on it. Fans have also documented retweets related to the celebration of Joe Arpaio, a former Arizona sheriff, who proudly boasted of cracking down on illegal immigration by forcing, quote, inmates to wear pink underwear and housing them in canvas tents under the hot Arizona sun. And he linked to an article about Swedish history from Return of Kings, an infamous anti-feminist website. I was not able to independently verify those last two retweets, as they did not show up in a Search of Thorns account. Uh, the account linking the Return of Kings article has been suspended, which means any retweets have also been removed from the original timeline as well. Thorne also supported Gamergate, and the first guest on his interview series was Sargon of Akkad, an anti-feminist YouTube commentator who rose to prominence through Gamergate. Akkad deploys similar tactics to Thorne, distancing himself from the worst elements of the alt-right when it's convenient, even though his regular topics, feminism, Black Lives Matter, Islam, the rights of straight white men, are typically the ones dominating the alt-right. Thorne has, at various times, seen his career impacted by his comments. In 2014, Thorne was fired from OnGamers, an online esports publication, for saying an ableist word. That same year, he was fired from ESL right before a major event after making a series of disparaging comments about Poland and Africa on a stream. The response from ESL was pretty explicit, too. Quote, ESL does not stand by or tolerate acts of racism, xenophobia, or other forms of discrimination, and does not wish to be associated or employ those who make such comments. We are deeply upset that a longtime member of the esports community would display such ignorance and make highly inappropriate comments about an entire nation. But despite these moments of condemnation and censure, the esports establishment has generally seemed to look the other way, knowing people will move on. When Thorne made one of his monkey-related comments, ESL's VP of Pro Gaming was asked for a response, but declined, saying it was, quote, not my place to comment. Five years later, though, and the ESL is the one hiring Thorne, who now seems to largely operate off Patreon backing and various freelance gigs he picked up, to a major event in New York an event where one of the other Counter-Strike commentators will be Matthew Sadikis Trivet, who was suspended by Twitch for saying a racial slur during a live stream. I contacted ESL about Thorne's comments on Jones and his, his... I contacted ESL about Thorne's comments on Jones and his history of racial language, and they only reiterated their plan to work with Thorne next month. Quote, Thorne is not an ESL employee and works as a commentator on a freelance contract for specific esports events. Therefore, he does not represent ESL in any way. He does represent ESL. He's going to be on their desk analyzing Counter-Strike matches. The employee distinction doesn't hold up. They can't completely wash their hands of this. The spokesman added one more thing. Quote, we keep observing feedback. 
Uh, Patrick, one of the ways I saw this piece characterized was as a hit job targeting someone whose politics and jokes you don't like. Uh, so let's start out by setting the table a little bit. You're <laughs> right. You're not really someone who follows esports. So why did Thorin catch your interest, and uh, why did you end up writing an article about him? Well, I think there's all sorts of subjects that I don't consider myself uh, an expert in, and like Twitter is a garbage fire for all sorts of legitimate reasons. But one of the things that I really like about it is that it allows me to like set up lists and follow folks that have expertises and interests in topics that I don't have the time uh, or even inclination uh, or need to to go down, but I want to stay abreast of. You know, interesting stories can come from anywhere, and I'm always trying to, you know, Rob, I heard esports are a big thing, and so I probably shouldn't ignore them, even if at the end of the day I'm probably not going to become uh, an esports reporter necessarily. Um, But uh, certainly uh, part of my history has been sort of investigating uh, personalities and high-profile figures and uh, sort of how they and like even like more bigger picture is is going into I I enjoy going into communities that I maybe don't quite understand and from an outsider perspective trying to wrap my head around it because I think that can sometimes be useful to explain it to an audience that might be interested in a particular story but because they're so separated from that community they have no way of really parsing what's going on and so a couple of days ago I saw. Some tweets being surfaced by prominent uh, esports reporters, prominent esports personalities, um, and specifically they were co- sort of condemning or dunking. Uh, There's sort of like a spectrum of <laughs> how they were being treated. Um, are these tweets from uh, we call them Thorin or Shields? How do we want to rest? Uh, I called him Thorin in the article, but Shields yeah, you know, is it's his proper last name, but he's Shields known is more his as proper Thorin. name. But everyone calls him like it's esports, so everyone is known by their right. handle. Uh, but at the same time, like. I don't know. It's it's up to you, man. We can call them shields. Okay, we'll go with shields. Um, and so there there were these yeah seri- uh, two tweets um, in which he uh, was pretty prominently defending more the Alex Jones's right to have provocative comments, which uh, went far beyond that. He, he was saying he was he was really defending Alex Jones and the things he was saying, that which is separate from uh, defending Alex Jones having the right to say something. Um, he was essentially arguing as we've been having this larger conversation in technology and culture about what does it mean for places like Facebook or Apple or Twitter to consider like what speech they should or shouldn't allow on the platform. And, you know, Alex Jones is not just a provocateur, you know, as in the tweet that I, I put out that got shared a bunch, it was, you know, he is someone who like most famously, I mean, among other things, has propagated uh, an insidious lie that the 2012 mass shooting of uh, 20 underage you know, six, seven-year-old children um, was uh, a a complete facade. It was a false flag by the government, and the parents who are out there grieving are crisis actors who are hired to propagate this this government lie. Um, which it's a it's a harmful thing that Alex Jones is is being sued for due to some of the consequences, and it really bothered me. And so it it bothered me the way he was pitching that. And then, you know, I thought it was just going to be okay. I'm going to share this sort of like easy nine a.m. like. This guy sucks. Uh, tweet and just I like, move on with my life. Um, I'm gonna go stream Dead Cells or whatever. And uh, immediately I got a bunch of responses from uh, both fans and followers and folks that cover esports. That like the, the culmination of it was like, oh, like you've never heard of this dude? Like, whew, uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's Alex Jones is just one part of a, a larger thing. And so uh, I within thirty seconds or so just did like a quick Twitter search um, for like various keywords like, you know, race and and things like that and came back and Gamergate and and came back with a couple of tweets that showed like a larger body of rhetorical work um, that uh, was uh, disturbing, Uh, you know, painted, painted a a pretty uh, upsetting picture of the kind of things that this person said. And these were like recent things, right? Like, so this is, you know, not something necessarily 10 years ago. This is something that he was saying in April of this year, in July of this year, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a very recent body uh, of work. Um, and so I put out those two tweets to kind of like create like a, a broader understanding of like maybe why this person, like how does this person go? Is it just Alex Jones or is it like part of a larger body of, of rhetoric? And those three tweets kind of encompass like a short version, which is, no, this is like a, a larger, uh, you can see the beats along the path of 
why someone goes, someone says about X, there's a good chance they're going to say something about Y. Um, and then I couldn't just kind of, I kind of couldn't let it go um, because it struck me as odd once I, as I was scrolling through his Twitter feed, I also noticed that he had said that he was going to be, uh, he'd been hired to be an analyst at uh, ELS, ELS, right? ELS. ESL. ESL. I was always getting those confused. Uh, ESL. Um, which is a, you know, a prominent uh, esports organization. They're holding a, a Counter-Strike tournament in New York in September, um, and he was going to be an analyst on one of their main desks. And you know, my thought was like, that seems uh, – I mean, you know, every organization can make their own call, but uh, that, that, se- that struck me as a little odd given his, his body of work. It wasn't just an Alex Jones comment. It was a, a whole body of like, work that maybe might cause an organization to go, huh. And so I was curious about that. And emailed a spokesperson and just asked, you know, I saw these tweets. Does ES, you know, do do you have any comment on it? Does um, this have any impact on his standing uh, at the event? And you know, there's a, a quote at the bottom of the piece that um, they essentially say that because he is a freelancer and not a, an employee, that he his comments do not represent them. And so that response is what then prompted me to think, okay, like maybe there's a story here. Like maybe there is a way where, as an outsider, uh, I can go in, you know, I want to make sure I do it right. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm doing my research. Um, you know, I, you were a big help in consulting and helping me and guide, guide me through this story. There were other folks um, in, in esports uh, that had reached out with a couple of different things that like helped me have a broader understanding to see, uh, you know, was I in the wrong for thinking this was odd? And the response I got from a lot of esports folks was, uh, like, no, it's just that it's become sort of accepted that this is the way things are. And so it's not my intention to, like, uh, you know, a hit job is a, is a way of putting it. It was a way of putting together a body of evidence of a person's rhetoric because I thought it was surprising that someone who was this prominent, he was not on the edge, he's not on the fringes. This is someone who is center stage at an enormous tournament in New York, um, is, is doing these kinds of things. And so I thought it was worth Pointing that out, especially for people who don't work uh, or don't cover or don't follow esports, I I found it surprising, and I thought other people would find it surprising too. And so often stories that I am tracking or or, or, or looking into are would would the average person find this interesting, and would the average person who was not a part of this community find this interesting? And then so that is the long-winded version of explaining sort of how. How I arrived at, at writing uh, that story. I, I uh, like. I guess just to, to, to conclude here, um, you know, the implication of the the hit job comment is that it is a story written uh, with the implicit intent of having someone like lose their career, lose their job, um, and and that is not the case. You know, people can read into my intentions uh, however they want. I you know I I try to chase interesting stories that I people think people would find interesting, um, and the the consequences of you know, highlighting those actions are outside of my control. Yeah, it's Thorin. Thorin is an interesting case. Counter Strike is kind of an interesting case, really, because I think uh, like Shields is kind of a representative. Well, he, like he's always been a bit singular uh, as as far as like being a personality. Um, you know, he's he's often compared with and like identified with Richard Lewis, but. Uh, I would argue there's actually a, a lot of differences between those two men, uh, even though I think they are friends and they do tend to stick up for each other. Uh, like, Shields is kind of a different case, but uh, what's interesting about the position Shields enjoys is that a lot of other esports have sort of tried to move beyond that brand of entertainer, that brand of analyst. Like, you don't find quite like to very to varying degrees of success, uh, but in general, like the push from Riot, the push from Blizzard, uh, you know, even within the FGC, there there is at least an overall trend to trying trying to be like more inclusive uh, to try to find uh, personalities and analysts and casters who don't have sort of a history of uh, you know edgelordy behavior or making like discriminatory or like super biased remarks and counter-strike has kind of resisted uh a lot of a lot of those trends and i think there's an l there's a couple things one is that esports has always been kind of a um 
good old boys club a, l- a little bit. Like esports was very small. Like a lot of these people go back like <laughs> 10, 15 years uh, in, you know, working together and, you know, getting to know each other. And so, you know, they, there's still this attitude that it's a small thing, right? It's just friends enjoying their weird hobby together. And why, why do we have to make it all corporate and PC? I think there's resistance to that. And I think in a weird way, um, there's this idea that people like shields and by extension events that showcase people like shields are more authentic that uh, it's real esports. It's not this like corporate commodified version of esports. It's like these outsiders who came in with all the money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons uh, you know guys like this tend to stick around is because for a lot of people in Counter Strike, and this is not universal. Like, there's a lot of Counter Strike fans who cannot fucking stand that like Shields is one of the major faces of their game and their community. Yeah, I mean, like, one thing I'll say, uh, this maybe could have been uh, highlighted better in, in the story, and I, I will fault the story for not including this. Like, by all accounts, he is good at his job. Uh, that, like, one of the reasons he's being hired to to be an analyst is that he's he's good at being a Counter-Strike analyst. Like, I, I think um, something that my story could have done a better job was pointing out that it's it's part of the reason this is happening is because, like, the pool of people available... He's one of the better ones to do this job. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, part of the reason you would shift up that pool is to, like, let new people in and and, and people who maybe are more considerate uh, or considered of the language they're using. But, like, all things being equal, that stuff aside, like, part of the reason he's hired is because, like, he is good at his job. And one of the things I wonder uh, that you might have a better sense of, and maybe this is specific to Counter-Strike or, or more in esports in general, like, we see stuff like this happen with a lot of different personalities. Like, it's not just Counter-Strike. Um, um, I think this is a lot of, like, Folks who were, uh, like, in their 20s or teens, like, coming up through a scene that gets corporatized and uh, money comes in and behavior doesn't necessarily evolve at the same pace that those things, those other walls kind of close around. And one, there's a resistance to that because, like, you're kind of, like, bucking the trend. And then two, um, for, I I guess, how much do we fault organizations like this when, like, if this is the pool they're picking from, like, is there another pool to pick from, right? Like, is the choice mm. uh, for them, um, if you don't pick someone like Shields, it's like, well, well, then you're going to the B-tier, C-tier people, and, like, if you want quality commentary, like, you know, the pool you're picking from are people that have, like, baggage with them. I, again, like, I don't come to enough knowledge to know if that's true, but I'm, I wonder if part of the problem, and it may be a self-reinforced problem, due to the continued hiring of certain people. But, you know, when you're trying to fill a stage, it's like, okay, like, he's got a following. The fans that he does have, like, are very diehard. And it's like, that's how you put, you know, people in seats, whether it's in a stadium or it's on Twitch. Yeah, I think as far as the pool maybe not being as uh, diverse or professionalized as, like, some organizations might prefer, I think there is an element. There's definitely that, you referred to that self-reinforcing aspect of this problem of, like, a community that has someone like Shields in it who is sort of setting the tone for like the discourse or the discussion in right. that community is going to end up being exclusionary uh, because a lot of people are going to take one look at that and fuck off. Like there's going to be a lot of people who maybe, you know, would choose to pursue, pursue Counter-Strike either as uh, players or as analysts or hosts who are going to basically bail because that community is like, clearly not making space for them uh, because it's not going to have their back if it's also having the back of someone like Shields. There's another element of a lot of like what you call the esports OGs uh, is, is that they have mentored a lot of people. They have like fostered a lot of the up and coming talent at various stages of their career, which also creates this issue of, um, you know, it makes them extra influential because even a lot of those people you'd be pulling for, you know, the up and comers you'd be putting on these stages and giving these opportunities, a lot of them still like view themselves as beholden to a lot of the old personalities. And it's going to be, it's going to feel like sticking a knife in their back uh, to turn around and say, well, 
you're right, we should probably ban them from this event. We should probably not have someone like this uh, who says these things on our stage. And so it's a bit of like a, um, I don't know, it's like this constructed moral safe house is the way I'd put it, uh, where because you know, because they've been in the scene for so long, because they've been the, the one of the faces of that scene for so long, um, this is why people just sort of view it as a thing that can't be changed, right? This is why so many people in esports like came to you and were like, oh, you don't know about Thorin? Like, let me tell you about this fucking guy. Right. Uh, because as far as like Counter-Strike goes, he's just like part of the furniture at this point. Like, yep, that's, that's Counter-Strike and nothing to be done about it. Yeah, um, and uh, it's that, that's what I found interesting as an outsider was the uh, this this thought that this observation I was having where things kind of seem to be stuck in place because well that's just the way things are that's the way things have always been and you know this this was a pretty narrow story it wasn't like a a, a large uh, you know uh, huge uh, piece about like the state of the esports scene and sort of like the malaise that can happen in esports or at other places, right? I mean, you know, games journalism, games writing, like, is, an, you know, a good old boys club. You know, it's yeah. it's gotten better. It is, it is de- I mean, you look at the last 10 years and, you know, just the, the, the faces, uh, you know, running different outlets and the, the staff underneath them is has changed tremendously um, uh, through, like, hard work and, and effort of a, of a lot of folks. Um, but, um, so it's, it's certainly not exclusive to esports. It's more that, um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, like, what attracted me was, the sort of, I guess, also what surprised me was the lack of, and, and this would be, you know, I could have plucked anyone, right? Like, there, Thorn is not, uh, Shields is not ex- exclusively the one person who has said incendiary, uh, an extreme rhetoric. Um, it was, the thing that struck me was the doubling down. What struck me was the uh, even lack of, uh, Apologies that don't even necessarily ring true, but like the, the apologies you get because that's what happens with like the professionalization and corporatization of uh, a certain sector, right? So like what, what struck me was, and you know, one of the things people pointed out was, you know, hey, like you wrote this tweet a couple of weeks ago, you know, about James Gunn, uh, in which you said, well, people should be given room to grow and to change, and like that can happen. You know, whether you're going for your 20s to your 30s or your 40s to your 50s, like we need to make sure that we're allowing space for that. And I think part of Waypoint's mission is, you know, encouraging folks to do that. But what struck me about Shields was the lack of any of that, which is like when there was any sort of criticism of his language, um, about the racial coding, about, um, you know, the defense of a Overwatch player who had been credibly accused of who's 21 and carrying on an online affair with a 14 year old. The reaction was always to double down on being toxic about it, to to not react with, oh, you know, right, you know, I, I should think about that. Like, you know, this is from uh, – there was a lack of introspection that I found to be troubling, and then that's ultimately what made me think it was worth highlighting um, because often in these spaces when folks are – get onto the paid circuit, you know, what is drilled into you is like, you know, if you fuck up, like – Got to own the fuck up and then, you know, try and move past it. And, you know, what we kind of break down the piece, one of the things you and I and Austin who also edited the piece worked on was trying to explain some of the rhetorical tricks that people use that are not exclusive to Shields. This is something you see in Gamergate, in, you know, Trump supporters and in alt-right. Like there, there is a whole uh, culture of using these sort of rhetorical tricks of it's, you know, you can apologize. That's one route, but also doubling down has its own advantages. Um, you can cultivate a community based on that, and I mean that seems to be what Shields has done. He doesn't apologize. He is he uses SJW as a pejorative. He is anti PC culture, and like he checks a lot of the boxes that you might expect. It's just that a lot of those boxes tend to disqualify people from a certain type of job, and it hasn't for him. And so I thought it was interesting to sort of explore that to try and understand sort of the history and trying to stack up, you know, a series of, of evidence that shows, you know, it's, you know, people screw up, make one-offs. Um, but th- this was a sort of like a repeated pattern and like the racial coding was a specific repeated pattern um, that fit within a larger set of rhetoric that, uh, you know, is not unfamiliar. Um, but again, like I, I found interesting 
as an outsider that, that, that was surprised that like, oh, like I wouldn't have been shocked. It was just like, oh, he just runs a Patreon and has like a YouTube channel. Like that makes 100% sense. Like that's a viable option for folks that want to build a community in that way. Like they have options. Um, but it was the, the fact that he was being employed by the professional scene. And it's like less than a specific indictment of like that event uh, as much as like I just found it. Yeah, interesting that there was the professional apparatus was continuing to be around him as opposed to just using your fans as like your base, your sole base of support going forward. Yeah, uh, Shields is interesting because, yeah, there's no shortage of people in esports who uh, have uh, said, you know, (laughs) have said have said racist or somewhat bigoted things. Uh, who have not fucked up that way in public. I think it is interesting the degree to which Shields rushes to, like, reliably rushes to the defense of absolute shitheels. Um, like, I think it is, I, like, I think it is interesting when someone, like, goes out of the way to be like, Alex Jones fucking rules. Like, today, like, right now, to be like, <laughs> Alex right. Jones is awesome. I stand with him. He's a G. Right. This is the like, this is this is the hill I want to die on. Yeah, like this is a guy and then he, you know, he sort of hedges with that like obviously I'm not saying he's right about everything. You should always be you should always be critical of of people. You should, you're a free thinker. I'm a free thinker. You right. know, again, the rhetorical game. Uh so he doesn't actually have to say like, yeah, I think harassing the grieving parents whose toddlers were gunned down in an elementary school, uh I think that's awesome. He doesn't actually have to say that. He's just like I love Alex Jones. Don't agree with him on about everything. He's I just leave asking it, questions. Yeah, I leave it to you to decide what what you, dear agree. reader. Yeah, uh, we and, report, you decide. Right, and then there's the fact that like the thing that made him most upset when there was an Overwatch player uh, who, yeah, you mentioned like was sort of caught, uh, sort of what looked like grooming uh, a 14 year old. Um, what really pissed off Shields is that well, now we wouldn't be able to see a great player. Right. Boy, doesn't this fucking suck? You know, real shame that we're just denied the treat of watching someone be really good at Overwatch, uh, which is a wildly revealing thing to say about like your values, right? And like who you have empathy for, and, and especially when someone points it out, right? Like what's interesting about that specific exchange is uh, deep breath. You can, I guess, you can see on some level how someone who is a huge fan. Like, let's say of this specific player, we're like, I really like seeing them play. It upsets me that I'm not going to be able to see them at their best. Like, okay, like, okay, maybe I can somehow compartmentalize that, I guess. But, like, when it's pointed out specifically, you know, I think the reply that got the response from was like, cough, sexual predator, you know. And the response to that is to then say, you know, you know, fuck off or whatever it was. Like, we're, we're missing out on great play. It's like, even when it's like specifically pointed out how you should be thinking of you can have these two thoughts in your head at once it's it's to to the exclusion of one uh and to the prominence of another which i think like you rightly said like says a lot about a worldview and like that specific exchange is one that uh a lot of folks you know in response to the piece like was like oh wow i wasn't i wasn't aware of that exchange and they found and it seemed to be like a lot of people had just kind of like baked in certain elements of his character but even that one they found to be particularly revealing um, or startling. Yeah, and I don't think, um, like, part of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s brand at this point is his lack of accountability and culpability. Uh, that, you know, if you're if you're someone who's a fan of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s, part of it is like, how's he going get, to get away with this time? And, like, surprise, right. he always does. Right. And he gets away with it uh, in part because the esports ecosystem in which he operates tends to be somewhat immature uh, and doesn't sort of really enforce standards of like decency or, or behavior uh, and, and to that he has an aggressive fan base uh, that tends to uh, sort of brigade or swarm uh, people who are critical of him. And this again is pretty common. There's a lot of figures in games and esports who operate like this, but definitely like uh, shield sort of wields and utilizes uh, that sort of, that sort of power. It's, it's a common tactic, right? Like we've seen this a lot in the past, where um, it's to your advantage to be aggressive because you put people on their heels, right? Yeah. And so, like, 
that's where you see, I, I don't know that he necessarily, this is a lot of what, you know, the communities around these people will do less than the, the figures themselves, but it's the, the function of brigading, the function of, like, uh, amassing into someone's feed is a way of making them uncomfortable, of getting them to sort of walk away. To It's a, it's a silencing tactic, and it can help prolong... Uh, or help someone escape a situation where it's like, okay, well, if that person who's the person raising their hand saying, I think this is a problem, and then they get swarmed, well, especially if they're a woman, person of color, any sort of mar- marginalized folk, like, there's a decent chance they're going to go, that's not worth it. Uh, yeah. You know, like, what, what do I what do I have to gain from being the person that, you know, puts themselves out to the, to the hive slaughter? And you don't have to be the person who is leading these, or you're, you're not out there, like, making a show of like being the field general for harassment campaigns. All you have to do is someone with a huge platform and a toxic following is to basically say like, well, no one rid me of this troublesome priest. Right. And then like you watch the mob do its job and yeah. You didn't and, it's, do and it's, yeah. And like as a public figure, and I've learned this in the past myself where like you have to be mindful of uh, having a following that is passionate and is going to take cues from you. And like in, in the past where like I've, quote tweeted people and you know i can't think of a specific incident off my hand but there have been incidents in the past where like i've dunked on someone and then saw my followers go and do something where i was like no like this is not this is not what i meant for you to do i was just kind of doing a one-off and i don't need you know 50 people to go reinforce my point by yelling it at that person and that was a situation where it's like all right delete the original tweet now tell everyone like hey like this was bad. Like I can't control what you do, but like I want to make it clear. Like I don't condone these actions, and these do do not represent me. Like it's you can't control everyone that's under your umbrella, but you, know, you can try and set an example, and you can try and and speak to that and, and and acknowledge that your actions do have ripple effects off, you know, into the nether realm. Um, whether you know you've you've dictated a certain action or not, and so it's incumbent on a public figure to. And most most of these people know this, right? Like yeah. this is not this is this is public figure one hundred and one. Once you've amassed any uh, yeah. meaningful following, um, you run into situations like this, and it is sort of incumbent on you to or to not engage. And usually, if you don't engage with that, that is telling in and of itself. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, so like last night, like as we were kind of expecting, there was a bit of a backlash against, uh, against you and against this piece, not as much as I was expecting, but like still it was there. Uh, but what did catch me out a little bit was the fact that someone pulled old photos and captions of yours and, uh, what the fuck, Patrick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, not a great, uh, evening, uh, I would say, um, so people found like an old image gallery from my college days, which at this point is 33, so, you know, 13, 14, it's 15 years, depending on, yeah. yeah, depending on which year you want to pull. Um, and it was just like a bucket of photo parties. Um, the photos themselves are largely innocuous as drunk people at a party, but like the the problem with the photos is the captions that I put on there. Like there are misogynistic and racist uh, edgelordy jokes that I don't have any excuse for. Like, they were wrong at the time. They are even worse in retrospect because of both shifts in culture and in my own personal growth. And uh, and plus, I, I, I take full responsibility for my past, present, and future self. Um, but this is like one of those situations where there were other people in those photos. Um, you know, my wife was in those photos. One of the photos which has a uh, deeply misogynistic uh joke uh is like a photo of me and my wife and um you know we looked at those photos last night she was like yeah that's bad and we would talk and i was like yeah we did 
we did some shitty things in college and we talked about how like that caption made her feel and we talked about other things that we look back at from those days and and we regret and uh more than anything i remember when i saw those photos going around i felt less of a sense of shame about like the person i was because i feel supremely confident in the person i have become and i think my journey is similar to uh, a lot of folks um but was an embarrassment over how stuff like that could be used to undermine sort of Waypoint's mission um, in which, you know, not everything we do is about, you know, these, like this article, like, you know, that I wrote about shields. Um, but, you know, as a general mission towards social justice and asking folks to be introspective and calling out bullshit, it's like, okay, well, here's an instance in which I was deeply insensitive uh, for a whole host of reasons uh, and, that could be weaponized in a way that undermines our values and what the site stands for and what it, what it argues for. Um, and so, like I said, I don't, I, I, I take full ownership uh, of the, of those photos. I, 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 I'm deeply embarrassed and upset, but I, I also, as I, I was going to write a tweet thread and then we decided we were just going to do this podcast. You know, the thing I was trying to put across in the tweets that I was, I was putting together was, uh, that like it's easy to say you're sorry, right? Like, like to bring this to a larger picture of a, a conversation we're happening. Like professional professionalization of Patrick Klepek, uh includes an apology for something like that coming out. Like regardless of how what the person Patrick Klepek has become, right? Like is that oh bad thing from your past? Like that makes you and your employer not look great. Like better put out that apology. And part of what I wanted to get across was, well, I hope what is demonstrated is through my actions, my reporting, my work, my personal relationships, that what I do and have done and the ways I've talked about that growth demonstrate actionably that change rather than just being pushed into a corner and forced to apologize. Because I think there's a distinct difference between being pushed into a corner and just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because like what I'm not saying is that I, uh, like those jokes are inexcusable. Like they're not, they're, they're not uh, humor that you don't get. It's not social justice warriors, uh, you know, demanding uh, something from me. It's like they're bad. Like I didn't understand the power of language, of words, some of the relationships and and racial dynamics of uh, of, of my roommates, of, of other people I was uh, were in my life at the time, and I understand that now. Like. My whole ass is out there in a way that is both embarrassing and somewhat relieving. Um, but uh, as I mentioned before, like what I what I hope to convey in this is a sense of like you can be upset, you can be offended, you can feel betrayed. I one hundred percent understand why anyone would be like, motherfucker, like how can you write a piece like that when you got that in your past? Um, and I would still justify what I did, the piece I reported was, you know, as we mentioned before, was it was the lack of, for Shields, the lack of contrition, the lack of introspection, the lack of realizing that those words have an impact on other people, on culture, on your followers, on you. And I hope I've tried to demonstrate over the years as I've made mistakes, learned things, grown as a person, to try and take ownership of that past, to talk about that past. I've considered part of my personal brand to... Uh, to speak on those issues, to like own the fact that I was a shitty white boy in my teenage years, in my 20s. And there aren't excuses for that, but I can become a better person and try and demonstrate to other people that it's possible to become a better person without pretending that stuff didn't exist. So this is a moment where confronted very publicly with past shame um, is, well... Like, why did you do those things? You know, why did you think those jokes were funny? What can you do about that? Like, I'm, you know, I later today, like, my roommate, who was, you know, one of the jokes, you know, who came up in uh, those photos, like, I'm going to reach out to him and be like, yo, like, I mu- I th- thought we could talk like that when we were roommates, and it, there's a good chance that you just went along with stuff like that and laughed because... That's what you have to do when you are predominantly surrounded by white people. And I'm sorry. And if I didn't recognize that at the time, I do now. And that's on me. And, like, that's healthy. Like, yeah. sometimes confronting your past is, I think, 
uh, is helpful through the, I don't recommend it in this way, um, especially what, you know, watching embarrassing photos of, of my wife plastered around, you know, that's the stuff that really, I can take the heat on things. You know, it's my family, friends, and people in my life who didn't ask for this is the stuff that really gets under my skin. Um, but that's also why this happened, right? This is a, it's a bad faith attack that is, um, ignores the larger point of Waypoint's mission of what I was trying to say with the piece, what I've tried to say about myself and other things in the past. Um, I think these things can all live alongside each other. I can have said awful things in my past and also still point out that people are saying awful things in the present. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, that's was a long-winded answer to your question, but hopefully I touched on at least a number of topics. Yeah, I... Like, yeah, the bad faith argument is that, like, catching you with something like this exposes, like, a fundamental hypocrisy, right? Like, oh, there goes there goes Klepek, like, castigating right. people's views he doesn't like uh, for making, like, racist and misogynist jokes. But turns out he had no problem making those jokes. Uh, and yet, <laughs> right. you know, because right. he's on the SJW side, we're supposed to forgive him uh, and uh, condemn them. But... Like, when I see these attacks, and, like, they basically follow script at this point. Like, we've seen, like, a million versions of this. Right. Um, but I've always found them, like, really revealing. Uh, because I, like, I think there is a genuineness to them that reveals, like, some fundamental things about the reactionary, reactionary worldview. Yeah. Uh, which no, is you're right, yeah. That, like, secretly everyone basically agrees with them. And anyone who doesn't, like, is only pretending to virtue. And it's important to, like, create that framework because then everyone gets a pass from, like, any kind of, like, standard of decency or, like, polite behavior, right? Like, go ahead, be racist because everyone else already is and they're just being dishonest about it, which is more right. contemptible. Uh, and then the second thing is I think it's a way to, like – it's a way to trap people who are like maybe borderline, right? Like it attacks like this are like about annihilating the possibility of like change or growth. Like, because right. it like, it might sound hollow for you to sit here today and be like, well, you know, obviously I've grown and I've changed. Right. Um, Cause I didn't, dis I didn't disclose this. It was exposed and then I'm reacting to it. Right. Well, in your defense, I will say like, I was talking to my partner last night. I was like, Patrick's been upfront that he was a shitty dumbass in college. Like you've yeah. always referred, I think, obliquely to both of these photos and sort of the worldview you had back then uh, that, that led to it. Like you've always been clear that like you couldn't vouch for your behavior as a teenager and a young man. Right. Um, but like this, this attitude that like, People can't grow and improve, right? Like this, the the attack is if you if you if someone ever did something like this or ever said something uh, like this, that that's who they are forever and all time, right? They can't evolve beyond it. They can't they can't grow beyond it, and that's useful because like it invalidates anything that someone who does try and change and like become a more compassionate person invalidates anything they have to say because fundamentally you're making the argument that like. Well, marked for life, like we saw your true colors, you know, right. back then, everything else there is just like you learning to wear a mask. And then it's telling everyone like in that sort of reactionary camp or like trying to figure out what they think about all this, that this is like, again, if you've, if you've said or done anything like this, if you thought anything like this, if you laughed at a shitty racist joke at some point, that's who you are forever and all time. Um, and you're better off accepting it. And defending it, defending yourself on those grounds, rather than ever questioning it or trying to change, because you can't leave. You know, any any attempt to try and become a better person, a more compassionate person, a more empathetic person, uh, all you're really doing ultimately is compounding the sin of prejudice or bigotry uh, with the sin of hypocrisy, and. I think that's the function these attacks like it, these these attacks serve two functions, right? One is to like discredit a report like this, a reporter like you. But I think the other thing 
that's very true is like these attacks are also about kind of locking the door behind the people who like maybe kind of sort of agree with you right like kind of foreclosing the possibility that they can think twice and say like do i want to continue going down this road do i really want to stand with the guy who's pissed that the overwatch sexual predator isn't going to get to make like sweet plays anymore is that who i want to be with and these attacks are always about being like oh you don't have a fucking choice you're stuck with us now yeah i mean that's the you know the whole line of ethics and games journalism is like that's it's the same thing it's trying to trap people into a rhetorical sort of like playing field in which you could you can see people going oh well hmm uh, like I've, I've seen this in, you know, I've, I've largely tried to avoid Twitter. I finally put on the quality filter, which I, I didn't realize how well that works. Dude, actually. It's actually a, that thing's awesome. Twitter, you know, Twitter's bad, but that, <laughs> that thing uh, manages to work through, uh, like, bot spam in a way that I uh, didn't quite uh, realize for the scale of, like, how these sort of, like, swarm attacks work. But, um, you know, I saw people, you know, the thing I will do every once in a while is... Uh, when I'm like going through and at least going to like try and mute some people and some conversations that don't get caught by the quality filter. Um, I'll click on profiles to see if they follow me. Now there are plenty of people who follow me in bad faith because they're just trying to yeah. find some gotcha thing to, to spring on. But there are a lot of people who there were at least an, a fair number of people who I saw whose like response was like, I'm really disappointed. Like what's up with these pictures? And they followed me and I would check their follower list. And like, there weren't any, immediate red flags that suggested they were just in because they're you know you'll get folks who attempt to portray themselves as a fan to try and trick you into talking to them or saying something or private messaging or whatever like there are a lot of tricks that people will will lay out for you but you know there were a handful of them and i didn't respond because i was waiting to do this but um there were those people who were like well on one hand but on the other like what the fuck man and so like and i i I get it to some degree because you can you see how it works, right? Like I, I understand stepping back why someone would look at those two and go, "Well, I don't. Who cares what he just reported out? Like, why should I believe anything that he says?" Um, and it, it comes down to what you're saying, right? Like, it's do you believe people can grow and change, become more empathetic, or as the argument from a lot of these bad faith attacks goes, the, the general premise of their argument is it's all virtue signaling. It is, it is all, as you said, a mask. It is all people. People are who they are. They are racist. They are sexist. They are whatever. There is some, I don't know when it locks in. Like, a, like what age, like, you just become you. I think it's but, like a baby duck. Like, you just see a racist <laughs> joke, and it's part of you forever, and you're like, mother. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you carry their logic to its conclusion, it's that at some point you were just sort of locked into place as a person and that anything you do that deviates from that default position is you trying to just get into polite society. It is you trying to virtue signal your way into different company. It is you putting on these masks because it is advantageous to your career. And, uh, you know, are there people that do that? Like probably, but you know, hopefully the way I, 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 I talk about myself, the way I try to be very personal with my audience is like the value of authenticity, well, it's in the eye of the beholder. Like you either think I'm authentic or you don't. And so my only way to cut through all of that noise is to explain who I am, how I got there, what I do. And if that's not enough for you, then okay. Like maybe we part ways. Like that's unfortunate. I, you know, sort of disagree how we got there. But like the most I can do in this situation is both own up for it and try and convey you know, uh, my own life story. And then like, you know, what am I supposed to do? I can't, I'm not going to convince that one side because they don't want to be convinced. They just want the ammunition so they can try and convince the people who are waffling in the middle or don't have enough evidence or aren't paying attention that closely or genuinely maybe just don't understand. Um, I, I don't know. So it's, it's, yeah, I'm not the first, I'm not the last. Um, and we were saying to my wife last night, you know, not, you know, and I want to make it clear, I, I'm not trying to, you know, string together a woe is me story, but I was like, this is why people don't do this, right? Like, this is why, like, again, with like we were talking before about like, you know, why raise your hand? Like, who, who, did anyone, 
win in this scenario, right? There's no win. Like there wasn't a win state for writing the article, but like I mostly just lost, I guess. Like I could, well, no, I considered a win because I felt like I was writing something that was worth pointing out that was like people should know more about. So I, I do consider that a win, but like you can see how, you know, one of the things I got from a lot of folks after I published a story was I got a lot of private messages from women in esports who cover this and went, you know, thank you. Like, I can't write about this kind of thing. This is, you know, this not just shields or just this topic because it is, it's, it's too destructive to my, my life, my well-being, my, my mental health. And so thank you for doing that. Um, this is before it all took a real sideways turn, but you know, that goes to show like the sideways turn is evidence of, you know, why a lot of people don't poke the hive because mm-hmm. The hive is going to punch back, um, yeah. and they are going to find something because at the end of the day, everyone has something to hide. Um, you know, you can't completely clean up your past, no matter you know what you do. Um, but uh, you know, given the situation I'm in, I hope that this podcast and this part of the podcast at least been illuminating for uh, at least my my side in it, my part in it. Yeah, I um last night when when this sort of emerged, I, I was thinking back to um. This is a few months ago. God, I think it was like eight months now uh, in the past. But like uh, you, me, and Austin were sitting around the office. Uh, it was like a rainy day in New York, and uh, we were talking about like I was explaining like why I didn't why I didn't enjoy esports as much as I used to, mm-hmm. and uh, why I certainly didn't enjoy covering it uh, as much anymore. And, and for me, there were there were two things, and the things I brought up that day were like one, like any story about esports culture uh, competition just ends up being this like complete fucking rabbit hole that you have to go down before you can write about oh, the topic. Yes. Uh, like the amount of like, there's so much important stuff like hidden on wikis, forum threads, Reddit threads, old streams. Uh, and you have to have a command of just about all of it or else you're going to get like, well, actually to death. And, uh, but the other, the other major part of it, I think is that, and this is what I said that day. I was like, you know, there's huge swaths of esports where reactionary politics and toxic assholes are basically the norm. And, like, it's a shitty environment to go work in. It's a kind of a joyless thing to end up covering. Yeah, and, and the actual reporting part of it, you know, the thing that you mentioned before is, is, is totally right where I was, you know, often actively relying on the reporting, the collection of reporting from from others because the alternative was like, Hey, go listen to this like four and a half hour live stream to like find this like 45 second clip, which is what you're actually looking for. And um, like, it's, I think part of the reason it's like a difficult thing to cover in or esports is a difficult thing to cover. I'm sure this is also true for folks that more actively cover like Twitch and YouTube culture. Like this is all mm-hmm. true is that the advent of long form video in which it becomes extremely difficult to to get documented evidence of a thing because video is just not conducive to that sort of scrubbing in the same way that the written word is. You know, um, you can scan ten thousand words a whole lot faster than you can scan, uh, you know, a six hour video. Um, that ends up leaving a lot of things on the table because they are just squirreled away. In which it's just extremely difficult to actually do the work. Because the the it's it's so bulky, it's so unwieldy, and there aren't that many tools in order for you to like make good on it. You know, I mean, you can turn on closed captioning and YouTube, I guess, to try and you know there are you know tricks, but it's it's really difficult. It's a it's a it's a huge lift, and um, and again, like you combine that with the response that you're normally going to get, it's like okay, well, maybe I'll just go back to covering that match and do yeah. a profile of that cool player because that then I can go out on Friday night and <laughs> feel okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's so weird to like talk about some of this stuff because um, I started joking around with you as, as we were coming to the end of right, working on this piece where like after a while you start to sound like 
you start to feel like you're one of those people in like a horror movie or a suspense movie who's like, no, this is fucked up. Like nobody sees it, but like this is fucked up. We're like, yeah, I've got I've got the red strings up, like pointing to nine hundred different things. Like no, but if you, you just look at all because way all these things connect, then you'll see why you know check this youtube video and then check this yeah. twitch embed and then check all these tweets and then check this podcast and it's like mm, then it's mm, it's all gonna make sense yeah you end up like like a, an example that you bring up in the piece is um you know thorin's beef with um andy din over at uh, team solo mid uh and sort of comparing him joking that like he's like caesar from planet of the apes and it's like out of context, that like comes across as kind of innocuous, right? But like, you have to watch the whole, you have to watch the video and like get a, like what was the vibe of the conversation around that point. But then also, you need to know about like, there's this like racist meme in uh, League of Legends, and like, okay, so Wu Kong is this hero, it's the ape hero, and, and like he's the one, and he plays that hero, and it's a meme that he looks like that character. And then also, you have to connect this to previous jokes that he's used in which he specifically invokes monkeys and comparing them to black people, and it's like. Okay, then you put that all together and you're like, okay, you see how isolated incidents add up to right. something larger. But to get there was a tremendous amount of work. And also it's a tremendous amount of mental work for any reader as well, right? Like it, you're asking you – you have to show the work in order to – you can't just say, you know, blank per, you know, person is X. Um, it's like I need to show you how I arrived at that analysis and – like, you know, you can deviate along the way, but at least let me show you why I think this, you know, concludes in this fashion. So, right. yeah, it does make you feel like you're a con- Alex Jones conspiracy theorist. Yeah, <laughs> to a bring little it full bit, circle yeah. Sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, like, overall, I think you, like, I have to say, though, I think you did a great job with this. And it was, like, really eye-opening for me because um, I, like, I am just enough of someone who like is immersed in esports or was immersed in esports to adopt a lot of the point of view like from people on the inside of esports where it's like yeah that's thorin just just being thorin like no news there like oh of course of course he loves alex jones that's not weird that's just that's just the air we breathe uh in esports. Well, it's kind of like you know your your friend that you know cracks you know shitty jokes and uh, all your friends roll their eyes and go okay, well that's joe you know no one wants to it's not there's worth patrick going. captioning just... his funny photos <laughs> god damn it yeah god damn it but it's it's useful to have that outside perspective come in and right. be like mm, you realize this is deeply fucked up and weird right like most places most people wouldn't be down with this and it's weird that y'all just view this as part of the scenery. Uh, so I, it was very like helpful and illuminating to me to like, have you come in, like write this piece and like, just sort of break it down. Like, Oh yeah, this is a weird fucking track record uh, at this point. And it's strange that this is a leading commentator uh, on like one of the major esports right now. Yeah. I, I would hope that'd be the, t- you know, the, when, you know, as you open to the top, uh, you know, asking about like, Oh, it's a hit job. Um, you know, what I would say is, is, is the, the agenda of the piece, if it, if it had any, was exactly what you just said there was, you know, pointing out, asking the question, like, this is a little strange, right? Like, and that's where my outsider part came in was like, looking at all this in totality, looking at all this holistically, like I looked at it all and just went like, something's a little off here. Right. Um, and you know, you can draw your own conclusions, you know, based on, you know, your own connection to esports and, you know, what should or shouldn't happen to a person. But, you know, my only goal was to inform that question, to answer, like, that query I had, which is like, this does, this seems a little bit weird. Um, and, and I think the piece at least accomplishes the mission of this seems a little bit weird. And again, like, the, the result of that may be like, yeah, that's just because that's the scene. The scene is weird. Yeah. And, this is unavoidable and that's the way it is like that that may be also be the reality and that none of this really changes that is what I expect, until it's like to a, be honest I, it's probably a generational yeah. shift right like this is probably something that gets better marginally over time as new folks come in um especially in scenes where you're not going to have a heavier hand right like you don't you don't seem to see like if valve came in and said like uh uh you know like there would be change but 
Valve doesn't like to come in and <laughs> say anything. Um, whereas, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, like with Shield specifically, like he's been sort of run out of different games, right? Yeah. Like he, he um, by all accounts, you know, doesn't do things with Riot and, and Blizzard anymore, right. so far as I can tell. Um, and so, you know, if other folks don't want to get involved, then, you know, the community is sort of forced to either ask for that change or change will just come one way or the other. You know, I mean, I guess the full circle with my own change, it's like, but it's like, you know, is, do, do you want that change? You know, is that, is that change earned? Or if you're happy with the status quo, then the status quo, you know, will continue because that version's a hell of a lot easier. But it will define you. Yep. Uh, all right. You can read Patrick's piece at waypoint.vice.com as well as everything else we write. Uh, our thanks as always to Bowen for his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people find you? You can find me eventually. Not this week. to twitter.com. You know, that, that, this, like most yeah. things, will. It's. It, that James Gunn tweet was like tweeted like 40,000 times and that disappeared in 48 hours. So, fortunately, this, the weekend is upon us. I will be forced to watch my kid who every time I bring out my phone, she goes, photo, photo, which means I have to look at photos and not look at Twitter. So I have I have my safety lock in my daughter who if I take out my phone, then I have to look at photos of her with her for the next 10 minutes. Um, I guess the, the last thing I would say, um, if people have questions, if they hey, want to talk about all of this with me, like, you know, part of what I have always tried to do in the past is like, I'm a pretty open book. You know, my, my DMs are closed on Twitter right now because people were swarming them with really grotesque images that had nothing to do with me and we'll just leave it at that um and but uh you know my email is patrick.colpicadvice.com you know if you want to talk or want to reach out or send me a private message on our um do our forums do private messages i think so yes um reach out you know i'm, I'm willing to have a conversation especially if you were upset uh, about what happened um yeah i'm I, i'm there i'm not disappearing i'm just briefly disappearing from twitter until that until i tweet write about the walking dead and then yeah probably tweet about that later today so <laughs> all right anyway. uh we'll be back next week uh with waypoint radio until then for patrick klepek i'm rob zachney uh wishing you a good weekend one where you were extremely offline When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.